0: Good morning and welcome back to the first Friday episode of the New Year 2018. It's Jessica. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. I hope you loved, love, love my episode on Tuesday with Linda Schwinn. Isn't she just incredible? Blows my mind. These amazing moms everywhere. We're really hoping to get back to more of those heartfelt stories um, of extraordinary moms. And so that is our goal with this new season. Today we have an amazing episode. It's covering a topic that is a little bit more sensitive and it may be an episode where we talk about things where you wouldn't necessarily want your kids hearing at this time. So put in your earbuds or listen when they're not around. We're not going to say bad words. We are going to talk about talking to your kids about sex. Yep, I said it. Dina Alexander is an expert in her field. She has the organization Educate and Empower Kids, which helps us to talk to our kids about sex, pornography, safety online, and now coming out with more books about body image, self-care, things like that. She is amazing. We talk about all of those things and so much more. You're going to love this talk and feel more empowered after listening. So let's get to it with Dina. All right. I want to welcome Dina Alexander. Hi, Dina. Hi, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. I first heard you on Power of Mom years ago on their podcast and just loved what you had to say. So I'm thrilled to have you on the Extraordinary Mom's podcast today. Awesome. Thanks. Where am I speaking to you from?
1: I am in the San Antonio area in Texas right now.
0: I love San Antonio. What a great place.
1: Yeah, it's fun.
0: That's great. So will you just give a little background on yourself and what you do? So
1: I am a mom of three kids and they're I have two teenagers and an 11-year-old and I started a nonprofit about 4 years ago called Educate and Empower Kids and we started out mostly talking about online dangers particularly pornography and helping parents talk about not just pornography but its opposite healthy sexuality and we authored some books um three years ago called thirty days of sex talks for ages three to seven, eight to eleven, and twelve plus. And since then we have expanded into some other parenting needs because as we know that there is just so much being thrown at us at this time. And so our mission is to help parents to parent in the digital age. So we talk about apps, we talk about the latest technology, but we also talk about using technology for good. We also talk about combating a lot of negative messages out there, including how it affects our body image, how it affects our intellectual health, our social health. So we are just trying to help parents the best we can. We get a lot of phone calls, a lot of feedback from parents asking for various things. And so we try to focus that and kind of just try to really empower parents to empower their kids.
0: Now, I know that this is such an important conversation, but this is a lot to take on. Like this is a very sensitive, personal topic. Oftentimes it's very uncomfortable to talk about some of these things. What compelled you to start to get started in this in the first place?
1: Great question. So I started out, it was real simple. I was on Facebook one day and I saw an article about teen porn consumption. And I I quite frankly didn't believe it. Mm. I was like, no, this is this can't be this bad. So I started doing research and I ended up just sitting at my computer for several hours that day just researching. And they noted a certain PhD named Gail Dines, Dr. Gail Dines, and I started researching her stuff. She's basically like the foremost most knowledgeable person in the world when it comes to uh, pornography looked at her work. And I just felt like this fire inside me. I just felt like I have to do something. And at first I thought, Oh, I'm going to make some family night lessons and just put them on Pinterest and call it good. (laughs) And then I realized, Oh my gosh, that's not enough because as I talked with my friends and family, like nobody was talking about this and I could barely get my friends to talk about sex with their kids. And Mm. I found that it wasn't just, um, you know, pornography, I, like I said, they wouldn't even talk about sex and it wasn't just a Christian problem. Like I thought I'm a Christian Mm -hmm. and I thought that was the issue. It was my atheist friends. It was basically everybody I knew did not want to talk about these sensitive topics. So I was like, okay, I I want to do something. So that is, was the gist of it was starting. I just started doing tons and tons of research, reaching out to different experts and, you know, practicing and practicing with my kids, and reaching out to other people, and I started doing little local talks in the community, and um, forming this organization, put together a board. But that was that was the impetus was just a simple Facebook article, which is why on our website we put a lot of stock into our weekly blog because those messages are meant to impact parents, are meant to give just simple ideas so that they don't feel the fear that i felt you know i felt very fearful for my children and with good reason this is a scary topic a lot of people are very uncomfortable with it you know my daughter has had some you know different short term relationships with different boys every single one of them has had a pornography issue hmm. and so this is a very real thing for us and it it changes the way we think it changes the way our kids think about healthy intimacy their ideas of intimacy are very are very strained, very warped, mm. and we need to, I wanted to just talk to every parent I possibly could, and so that's where I began.
0: Amazing. Well, and to me, there's two parts to it. There's the part where we know what's out there, we know how scary it is, and so we don't want to talk about it. And then there's the part, like you said, you came across an article where you hardly even believed what you were reading and that there was this many issues with teenagers, and it's younger and younger and where they're getting it from and things like that. And so then there's the disbelief aspect. We know too much and then we don't know enough. There's both parts to it, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, absolutely, and
1: we and we find that you know, and I can understand that piece, you know, Mm -hmm. and so my goal is again when I go and do little community presentations or I talk to a church or even when I write an article, it's to it's to alleviate those fears, but also to be very real with Mm. people because that's what we all want. None of us want to be lied to. I want to know you know what the problem is, but I also want to know what I can do about it. I am a very solutions based person. I. I, when I hear a problem, I immediately am thinking of ways that I can help out and I can make a difference. And I try to teach my kids that as well, because it can, you know, there, we're not, we're not done. You know, there is, there are going to be many scary things throughout our lives. The technology out there is amazing. It has so many potentials for good, but there's also a lot of hazards and things we haven't even dreamt up. And so we need to be, you know, ready to talk about these tough topics with our kids.
0: Well, and I think society is telling us how to feel about these things. Like we read an article like that and we're automatically scared. Is it because it's scary or is it because society is telling us this is something to be feared? But that's why there's husbands, thousands and hundreds of thousands of husbands that are closet addicted to pornography because of the shame. And so I think bringing all this to light and these conversations where we take the fear out of it, but we say this is what it is. What do we do with it? And taking that shame away from it, it is a terrible, terrible thing. And it's okay to view it as something that is dangerous. And really can lead any person of any age down a very wrong path that can be very destructive. But removing that and saying, but it's something you can come back from. And it's something that there's things you can do to prevent it from going too far. Right?
1: Absolutely. That yeah. is that is so key at an early age to take the shame out of it. You mm-hmm. know, we... Um, At first, when we wrote our sex talks books, for the 8 to 11 and the 12 plus books, there is a layout on shame and guilt and trying to explain the difference between shame and guilt. And in our book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Pornography, there is a lesson on talking about shame because it's just ridiculous, I feel like particularly in some churches, there is a very strong addiction focus. And yeah, some people can become addicted, but also most of us are are facing some kind of physical addiction in our life. You Mm -hmm. know, and I, like I, for one, have a very strong food addiction. I battle with this every single day, you know, and I have to think about the shame you know, and keeping that out of my own life and avoiding that and teaching my children about healthy living and healthy choices. And so that is so key to just to keep, you know, helping our kids understand, you know, when you see these things, when you come across pornography, it's okay to, to feel stimulated. It's natural. It might also be natural to be traumatized, if, especially if it's a young child, mm-hmm. but also that we're supposed to be curious that this is natural and that you are still a good person and I am still a good person despite our addictions. We're still working and we're all human. We're None of us are perfect. We are going to just keep doing our best, whether we're kids, whether we're adults. But it's absolutely necessary to just talk about this in the context of you know, we're still good people and mm-hmm. we're all just trying our best. And it is interesting that you mentioned like cow society, because there is definitely like different, you know, articles where it's showing that how terrible pornography is. But there's also some who are like, hey, yeah, this is no big deal. Sure. You know, you all need to just get over it. And it's to me, it's, you know, they're both you know, they're both a little off, you know, some people, you know, when it comes to addiction, a lot of people can hold their liquor, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with pornography, Mm -hmm. because, and that is honestly not what worries me with pornography. Yes, it can become very addictive. I've seen it. I've seen it among friends, family members. I've seen it from, you know, I've heard from countless wives of addicts, the effect that it has had on their family. But I am more particularly worried, about every young man and and boy mm. and many many of our young women growing up on a diet of pornography where mm. they are continually seeing women in a position of powerlessness which is what is always portrayed in pornography where she is always treated like an object where she is called names where she is spit on hit and much worse in very degrading ways and that During those very important years, that 8 to 12, that 8 to 16 years, when we are forming our arousal template, that we have kids that are getting used to being turned on and stimulated by seeing women in this way. Mm. That is my concern, that every future lawyer, doctor, policeman Mm. is being groomed to see women in such a degraded way. And this is why, again, why it becomes so important to talk about it and help our kids understand that this is not real. This is not fake, excuse me. This is not intimacy. Mm -hmm. This is not love. This is not art. This is not beautiful. This is somebody trying to make money by getting you to watch their video. Bottom line, this is money driven. This has nothing to do with helping you become a better person to have a better sex
0: life. Wow. But I'm happy as a parent to talk to you about what healthy relationships and healthy views of the opposite sex look like. And and, and, and creating that communication. I mean, it starts as young as, you know, your child going in and sneaking a cookie after dinner and feeling that kind of temptation and that shame. But then it's that same thing to a bigger degree when they see something online and they're not sure if it's something to be sneaked or something they could tell you about. That Absolutely. communication piece is so huge, isn't it, Dina?
1: Yeah, and that's why, again, we start really young. Mm -hmm. You know, When I was a new mom, I was told, well, wait wait for your kids to ask you about sex. And Mm -hmm. then you just kind of like give them like a little spoonful at a time kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And we don't teach parents that anymore because, again, we're handing two- and three-year-olds phones, and we don't know what they're going to be exposed to, that we have to start early. I want to establish myself as a source to my children that you Mm -hmm. can come and talk to me about anything. That yes. there's nothing so embarrassing that you can't talk to me. That I love you more than anybody else in the world. That your dad and I love you, and you can come and talk to us about about anything. And so when we start those conversations first, we're letting them know, oh, mom and dad, that this is totally okay to talk about. Right. You know that we can talk about this. That it's okay. That there's nothing you know shameful about sex and intimacy. Um, and now, particularly with young kids, when my kids were younger, I would make a point to say, hey, this is something that we're just going to talk about here at home. This is not something that we're going to share on the playground. We're not going to talk about because <laughs> there's a lot of our friends who are not talking about this with their kids. And we don't want to take that away from other parents and that this is like, you know, their responsibility. It's not your responsibility to t- to talk about this on the playground. Because my kids, they even at a young age knew far more about Pornography and sexuality than most of their friends. And that was what we were comfortable doing in our home, and how we felt. But our kids, one of the ways that we were going to empower them was to talk about, again, these tough topics so that they knew oh, this is not a big deal, that yeah, even at the dinner table, we're going to talk about sex, we're going to talk about drugs, we're going to talk about politics, we're going to talk about death, Whoa. divorce, whatever, <laughs> you know, everything, that that's the family we are, you know, and so it's really important to establish ourselves as the source, though, so that they know they can talk to us.
0: My hands are sweaty, Dina, my hands are sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I've literally, Dina, I've never had the talk with my mom, never zero yep. like i'm I'm married i'm married and i'm done i'm done I'm past the talk but <laughs> I, I never I never had that, and so I was never sure what to think about certain things and one of the things that i've really been thinking a lot about just in general, not just in terms of technology and pornography and and these types of topics, is our kids don't know what is n- quote-unquote normal or not normal or appropriate or not appropriate until we educate them about it. And it's not – I saw on a mom's Facebook group that I'm a part of, somebody said like, oh, my my son called somebody else a a bad name. And I'm horrified and he had huge consequences and how do I make it never happen again? But then my response was, well, did he know that it was a really bad word? He knew it was a word that got a reaction. Did he know exactly how he was using it, what it made that other person feel like – at 8 years old, did they really understand that? And maybe and maybe he did. But I think it's really critical to to have the cheerleaders pop up on the video game of my kids basketball game and they're dancing around and they don't know that's not n- not normal. You know, like they don't know what to think. They just know it appeared. Same thing yeah, exactly. on anything exactly. that pops up online or on their friend's phone or they don't always know where the line is. And so it is critical that we very without tons of emotion, without any judgment, talk about these things in a very reasonable way to show them what is appropriate, what is not appropriate, where this can lead, where that will lead, you know, give them that perspective. We can't assume they have that.
1: Yeah, because I find often that, you know, and I'm I'm continually surprised. Like, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I'm continually surprised at how many things I think my kids know that they don't know. Sure. Right? We assume that they know. And, I, and then I always go back to, okay, how many times did I have to show them how to tie their shoes? Mm. How many math worksheets did they have to do in kindergarten and in first grade to learn how to add? And then I expect that I've had one talk about STDs and that they're going to have remembered everything I said, it's ridiculous. And so we have to just be really patient and remind ourselves. And also, even if we've already taught it, that it's okay to teach it again. Mm. We want, again, we're competing against so many voices in the culture that it becomes really important for us, you know, that we're going to have... 50 talks about honesty, probably at least through our kids childhood. So we're probably going to have somewhere Mm. between 20 and 50 sex talks. Oh boy. And and maybe even more when it comes to relationships. You know, like you mentioned, how are they supposed to know what a healthy relationship looks like unless we have modeled and we help them understand this is how we talk to each other. Mm. This is how dad and I solve problems. This is how I solve problems with people at work. This is how I solve when I am disagreeing with my brother. This is how I use my words this is how I explain my emotions this is how I listen you know all of those tools that we're continually teaching those are all part of sex talks they're part of relationship talks you know people a lot of times when they first see our book they're like 30 days of sex talks oh my goodness and then they open the book and go oh, Oh, Okay, you know that like the three to seven that a lot of it is just protective information You're going to talk about predators. You're going to talk about how do you say no? You're going to talk about how special your body is These are all part of sex talks to help prepare and protect our kids and they can be very simple They can be little five-minute chats. This does not have to be one big pornography talk Mm. It can be a simple five to ten minute discussion and then later on layer on
0: more information well, and I remember when I was talked to about difficult things, I would get a lot of information and there'd be no follow-up. So then I'd have all this, all these questions lingering, but there was no format for which to come back to that. It was going to be super awkward for me to revisit that topic. And then I seemed like the weirdo who wanted to talk more about sex. But, But really, I just had these questions. So I think, and I'm sure you would agree talking about it in small chunks, and then following up. Okay, did you think about that? Did you have any questions? How did that make you feel? Those types of follow Absolutely. You have to create that that platform for your kids regardless of age because they're not going to want to just suddenly start talking about it. Most kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's why I love, I'm glad that you said that because it's so important for us to, again, that's why we have other routines and even yeah. like little mini traditions every day So that, again, it it provides that outlet. So like right now for us, for the last couple of years, it has been the dinner table. When my kids were little, it was when we were putting them to bed and they would be like, oh, mom, come lay with me. And we would sit there and we would chat about whatever. Hmm. And those lent themselves. So having those daily rituals that lend themselves to discussion is huge. And like you said, just small chunks. And then... I love, you know, yes, asking if they have follow-up questions, but again, initiating those conversations so that they know, oh, okay, that's right. You know, mom, they won't think I'm weird for asking this question mm-hmm. because we don't want to create an event. You know, sure. we don't just create, like have this big talk and with ice cream and, oh, we're going to go out and make this a big event where we talk about our periods. You okay. know, it's going to be just something really simple that either you're going to, you know, it needs to be something that our children can recreate very easily.
0: Mm. Hmm. That's a great, that's a great visual. That is exactly, exactly right. I love that. You're so smart. How did you get so smart, Dina? <laughs> okay. Practice. I have, I do have a, mistakes. okay. Well, I'm glad you said practice because guaranteed there've been some conversations that you probably had with your kids that did not just flow out of your mouth just perfectly. And they did not respond just perfectly. Right,
1: how do of you h- how do you I, come back I, if, from that <laughs> and if you talk to any expert in this field or any field, okay. they all have hilarious horror stories okay. of how they messed this up with their kids okay, okay? Good. <laughs> so that's why you have to just be like let go of that perfection. none okay. of us are going to do this perfect or right, and that doesn't matter. We're just about conveying love to our kids, like I always say my mom, I don't remember a word my mom said about sex, but I remember that she talked about it like this. Okay. And it was so positive that I knew, all right, this is going to be awesome. Right. And I'm special and I'm worthy of an amazing sexual experience someday at the right time with the right person, Mm. you know? And so it's again, putting it in that, that right context, you know, I've had times when I thought something was super simple, and then I was like, like you know, like the masturbation talks. We've talked about masturbation a few times, and that's one that I needed my husband there with when it came to my boys. Mm. I felt like this is a little bit different. You know, I don't have a penis. I, you know, I want them to be able, they have a different life. Masturbation is different for them, so I want my husband in on that conversation, but a lot of other conversations I take the lead on. I'm very comfortable, and so some of those bigger conversations particularly with the physical mechanics of sex those are going to require follow-up when it comes to talking about communication when it comes to talking about um, you know just a lot of the simpler topics, body mm-hmm. image or like why we wear clothing and they protect us. Those are things that you know might be pretty simple or when we give our kids the opportunity to talk about slang words that they've heard for yeah. different body parts. Again, that might just be a real simple discussion, but there are other things that – you know, require follow-up particularly the physical mechanics because they can't visualize it right they have not had sex yeah. they maybe have not seen um, a penis if they're a boy maybe they have not seen a vagina so they are going to just be like having a lot of questions right. and that's again where it's important to follow up and give give really sensitive um, opportunities for them to talk
0: Okay, so you're going to tell me how to t- tell, talk to my kids about all of this? Is that what these books are? What, what are these books telling you how to do, or is it a book you read with your child?
1: It, you, it's either one. Okay. I prefer to look at it ahead of time okay. for five minutes. So okay. they're just like really simple. They have a lot of discussion questions. They okay. kind of help the parents provide discussion questions because we've broken it down into these simple parts. The very beginning, the introduction is the how-to. It's kind of like it's the pep talk and then it's also like, hey, these are some things to think about, like creating a safe zone. That's one of my favorite things where you tell your, you know, you create a safe zone in your home where you're like, okay, if you have something super sensitive that you want to talk to me about or maybe even confess to me something that you're embarrassed about, you can tell me in the safe zone where you tell me, hey, mom, I I need safe zone. And then you tell me and there's no consequences to Mm. what you tell me or there's Mm. no consequences to the question you ask. And so establishing that is something pretty simple but it's also kind of a great reminder and then it it kind of puts your kids at ease so that they go oh okay I'm not going to get in trouble for asking this no one's going to embarrass me or shame me for asking these questions but again we're I'm really big on discussion questions and we try to make them as as without judgment as much as possible so even within like the 8 to 11 and 12 plus book we talk about masturbation and we talk about sexual identification which are two topics that a lot of parents are freaked out about right And in them, we don't say this is good or bad, right or wrong, because who cares what I think about that? Who cares what Dina Alexander thinks about that? I'm not your religious leader, and I'm not running for office. Mm -hmm. The people that need to hear this are our children, and they need to hear it from their parents, how they feel about masturbation. If you feel like masturbation is awesome, no big deal, you let your kids know that. If you feel like it's not a healthy behavior, or it needs to be minimized, You explain why to your kids, Mm. but again, you do it just very simply, like you said, very matter of fact, and it can just, and so the books provide a lot of great questions to help parents and kids have these conversations very easily.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us that language. And and you're so right. It is about the discussion. It's not just about the monologue that we have in our head where we're just going to spew all this information. It's about the discussion and how they feel about things and how far we we take the information and how much we hold back, you know, and do it in smaller doses. You know your child best.
1: Exactly. I don't, you know and love your child Yeah more than anybody in the world. That's why you are the right person to have that conversation with your child, not me. You know, we have many parents who they literally want us to script it out for them. And I had three different scripts with my three children. And with Mm. your number, you're going to have different, you're going to have different scripts for each of your children. And there's some topics you can do as a group. There's some topics you're going to do one-on-one. And that again is your call as a parent, because you know your child better than anyone. Mm.
0: That's such a great point. Oh man, it is so great to hear somebody talking about it really confidently. Like you can be successful in these conversations and it doesn't mean that your kids are going to suddenly become immune from coming across any of this stuff or even struggling with some of these topics. Um, but these healthy conversations, that is, that is the foundation and, and there's there is a soft place to land for your kids um, when you can create that safe space. I love that so much. That's incredible. And so in addition to, I mean, we could go into all the nitty gritty of the protecting them against pornography and online and everything. But you have books for that. We're going to link to everything on the podcast um page as well but you're also coming out with a lot of new material about body image and and the way that we view ourselves and others talk to me about this this new kind of more positive spin that you're you're attempting to take and why talk about these topics from a young age with our kids
1: so we have again from parent response to us is that we there is a huge need for body image you know literature for kids there's not really a great body image book on out there. You know, there might be something like, hey, my body is great. To me, that's not enough. We need to address the messages that are constantly bombarding our children and that they will be bombarded with. This to us is kind of like a fortification before they are teenagers. And so we wrote these books. One is called Messages About Me, Wade's Story, and that is for boys. And we have one called Messages About Me, Sydney's Story. Mm. And they are both about I, you know, a journey to healthy body image. And so they, they're, each of them, it's a story where, and they're different because we feel like boys are bombarded by certain messages and affected by certain messaging. And girls are, are differently, are affected differently. And with girls, it's a little different because it's been, it's happened for a lot longer that they have been affected by this. The boy phenomena is kind of newer where there is more of a pressure on them to, you know, not just be hyper-masculine in their appearance, but hyper-masculine in their behavior, to be aggressive, to be tough, and that this is, really starting to impact kids' self-worth. And so we also, in these books, we have a workbook. I'm a big believer, again, in discussions. And there's so there's some different workbook questions at the end where you can talk about the story, but also talk about, well, how are we going to combat these messages? How are we going to develop that little voice in our head that says nice things to us versus that little voice that starts to tell us, Uh, you're fat, or you're ugly, or you don't look like her, or you're never going to look like him. Those we need to learn and teach our kids how to talk back to that voice, that mean voice. And that is happening younger and younger. You know, when I was a child, I remember several years of thinking that my body was amazing. Hmm. I could run fast, I was very athletic, I felt good about my body and then as right before puberty is kind of when things started to change and i started to view myself i noticed i was taller and a little bit bigger than the other girls and each of us has a different thing whether we felt like we were too skinny that our hair wasn't right you know whatever all of us have usually have had something throughout our childhood or teenage years that we remember feeling bad about our bodies but it we are that ch- that time when our we liked our bodies is lessening for kids these days they're you know that might have been 10 years for you or I. That's sometimes even only four or five years for a lot of, you know, girls, again, because they're being bombarded by so many messages. Mm. So that's where we want to start talking sooner and discussing these messages, not that we just see from media, but that we hear from peers that maybe we've heard from our parents or teachers at school. So kind of this is creating like a fun, interesting platform to talk about healthy body image.
0: Wow. And I don't even think we realize as moms how our internal monologue conveys to our kids about ourselves. So let's, like, ignore the societal pressures and everything for a sec. What is happening in your home? How are you viewing your body? How are you communicating about your body? That's Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, like,
1: like, you know, again, my mom, amazing person, but I always say – I knew that my mom was fat because she told us. She
0: told me that. She yes. told us many mm-hmm. times. That the, I never and thought was, that. I look back mm-hmm. at those photos
1: and I'm like, she was not fat. Yes. She looked fine. She looked great. She had had five children. Yes. You know, and then so and I, I remember thinking as as in, this is hilarious. As we were writing these books, I was looking back over some of the dialogues I had had over the years and thinking I've done, you know, we all kind of pat ourselves on the back. I did better than my mom mm-hmm. and or my dad on A, B or C. So I asked my daughter, you know, have I said anything like have you can you remember anything Thing where I have said something negative about my body, or what I've and um, so my daughter is 17 now, and she said, Yeah, I remember when we lived in such and such that you used to say, Oh, I need to leave, lose five more pounds, or I'm right here, you know. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I had not even realized it. Mm-hmm. So I had been patting myself on the back, thinking, Oh, yeah, I'm so I'm doing so great with this, but all of us again have made mistakes where that is again where it's it, this is another great conversation to bring up with our kids of you know hey i saw this news story or hey i heard this podcast today this woman talking about healthy body image and it's really helpful to to tell your kids your your body image journey your struggle because mm-hmm. all of us have something where we heard something that made us go <gasps> and feel terrible about ourselves or that we picked up on messages in our home or messages in media. And we that is a great starting point to help our kids go, oh, okay, other people feel this way. Okay, even my parents have felt this way. Oh, I bet my, maybe my siblings have had the same experience where somebody said something to us or we just started feeling like that. So that's a great place to start with those conversations with our kids is you know talking about our own struggle with this.
0: I love the way you talk about that. That is huge. And I think it is so true that sometimes we are not accurate in the way we think we're coming across, right? We think we've done a great job at something. And maybe for the most part you have, but those those instances do stick out in our kids' minds. And when it's such a habitual thought, when it's just a truth that we've accepted, oh, I'm too fat, oh, I always need to lose five pounds, we hardly even second guess when we say a comment like that because it's just truth to us. But the way it affects them is just so huge. I think it's equally important to not only help them to understand we should have a healthy view of ourselves, but it's realistic that we won't always. But how do we deal with that, right? For your daughter, you know, having her realize that your journey is not just one of perfection and just self-love all the time. Because that's not real either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to kind of, to talk about all of that. Because there's basically two schools of thought when it comes to body image. Either I'm going to love everything about me no matter what, Or I'm going to focus on what's inside, you know, that my Mm -hmm. internal gifts, my intelligence, my social skills, my humor, my other, you know, my abilities. And so, I think that you can folk you can talk about both you know mm. but it's pretty I feel like it's a bit unrealistic for most people there are very few once in a while I will meet a woman who genuinely loves her body but it is rare and yeah. it is a tough tough place to get to where you can just because it's 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 intertwined with so many other things with so many with so many other pieces of our mental health so we kind of want to start where we are you know mm. start where you are and meet your child where they're at right mm. which is an imperfect place <laughs> where you can talk about that yeah i'm working on this you know that i am i'm always going to be working on this and again that's where we're going to be developing that that healthy inner monologue that voice where we are going to talk back to the mean voice where we are going to say nice things to ourselves you know i use the You know, the phrase of like, I wouldn't say this to a friend, so I'm not going to say it to myself. Love that. You know, I have caught myself saying very mean things to myself that I would never say out loud to another human being. Nope. So why would I, why would I treat myself that way? Mm -hmm. And so that in itself is a great conversation to have kids or like, hey, what are some of the mean things we say to ourselves that we that we can stop, you know, or what is Mm -hmm. the benefit of those? Mm, There really isn't a benefit. So what can we do? You know, what are the good things and kind of just reminding them, helping them know? several times a year, you know, not like every single day, you're going to give them this huge laundry list (laughs) of wonderful things about them, but where we are sincerely complimenting our kids for who they are, you know, and it's okay to, you know, to say to your child that they look pretty or they look great. But again, that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus needs to be on all the other amazing parts of, of who they are, because they didn't, they didn't earn their looks, right? That that was just, that just happened. That was just genetics. So to me, it's not nearly as important. And at some point, something could happen where they lose those looks. I don't want my children to feel like any of as that any of their self worth is based on their appearance. Mm. You know, that it's kind of like, hey, that might be nice that I look that I'm attractive. I want to be healthy and have good hygiene. I want (laughs) to dress appropriately. (laughs) But I also I don't want to my my self worth shouldn't be based on how I look. Because those things change, we all get older, we get wrinkly, we have babies, or we are under a lot of stress, and we have bags under eyes, or whatever so i want to I want to spend the majority of my compliments and my energy on my children as on their the things that that I love about them, their mm. gifts, their kindness, you know their ability to serve others. These are the things where we want to help them feel really a solid foundation of self-worth on those things.
0: That's really powerful. That's really powerful. And what I think I love so much about your mission with educating and Empower Kids and, and just the way that you talk about things, things in general, we could plug in, any topic you want to talk about with your kids and apply these same principles um, to just having more discussions with our kids, asking them how they feel about things, giving them insight into our journeys with getting to a certain place of believing a certain thing. You can plug in literally anything. And it's just a matter of healthy communication, openness, removing shame and teaching our kids that they're in charge of their thoughts and how they think about things. It's, they're not captive to those thoughts.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's and it's that practicing that good parenting over and over again on many different topics. You know, mm-hmm. we we want to sometimes check off. Oh, I had the sex talk or check off. I had the body image talk. Yes. And we just we just don't check off parenting. You know, <laughs> there's just yeah. no There's just nothing you ever check off because their needs change, their problems change, just like it does in our lives. And and it's not to say you have to cover every single thing. It's just that you're going to just keep trying your best you know yeah. none of us are going to do this perfect and i have i have to continually remind myself of that i just have to just keep doing my best yeah
0: so you have a wealth of information for people that want to know more about these topics how to talk to their kids about all manner of topics, online stuff, sex talks. Oh, and I have a question for people that might be wondering. The 30 days of sex talks, is it straight 30 days or is it just 30 sessions? <laughs> it's
1: 30 sessions okay. when, whenever you want okay. to do it, you know, because you'll you'll look at maybe there'll be certain ones that you look at and you're like, I am not going to talk about that or okay. I am not ready to. T-. And then you don't start there. Okay. You do the easy talks first that okay. you are comfortable with and then you move into the the ones that maybe you feel like are a tougher discussion.
0: Okay. So it doesn't have to be like Sex September. Like, you don't have to go 30 days straight of, like, gangbusters. If you want to. If you really want to.
1: You know, like, we also have another book called 30 Days to a Stronger Child. And that is a much meatier book. It talks about filling our accounts. And we've had people ask us that, and we're like, no, no one's going to do this. It's just way too much to do. But it's just meant to, you know, that you can, you know, teach these principles and you are going to have a stronger child. You're going to help them fill their emotional, social, intellectual, spiritual, physical accounts. But it doesn't have to have – nothing in life happens perfectly, (laughs) right, within just a few days. So it's just about – just keep trying.
0: Amazing. I love it. Okay, so what are those resources? Where can people find your books? And just give an overview of all the topics that people can find. And we'll link to everything at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com.
1: Okay, so our website is educateempowerkids.org. Our books are available there on our products page, but they are also available on amazon.com. We have Kindle versions also on Amazon. The ebook versions are a little less expensive if you buy them on our website. We have um, a parent we have a lot of parenting tips. We also have a great new kids page that is teaching kids media literacy, so teaching oh. them how to read advertisements. It's a great interactive page for kids and adults that you can kind of work together on understanding advertising. It's even a great resource for teachers to use in the classroom. We have books, like I said, on healthy intimacy, which is the 30 days of sex talks. We have how to talk to your kids about pornography, which is a, a shorter book, but it's got a lot of great, great information. We also have the 30 days to a stronger child. And then we have messages about me, Uh, the two books on body image and coming up soon we have a book called noah's new phone a story about using technology for good and that will be available on amazon and that is a focus it's a it's another children's book so it's a it's a book you can just hand to your child to read but again it also has workbook questions at the end where we kinda go on a journey with Noah to see what happens when um, he's on the receiving end and on the giving end of some negative behavior Mm -hmm. and how he learns to turn that around and use technology for good.
0: Dina, thank you so much for investing so much of your time and passion into this difficult topic that allows it to not be so difficult for other parents. What amazing resources. This is incredible. You have some lucky kids. (laughs) Uh, thanks. I'll tell them you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them. Jessica thinks I'm an extraordinary mom and you should clean your room. Yeah. <laughs> You're amazing. Well, I always ask my guests one final question, Dina, and it's this What would you tell your pre motherhood self?
1: I would tell her to be a lot kinder to herself, Mm. you know, to speak kindly. One of my favorite lessons in the 30 days to a stronger child book is called positive self-talk. And because I cannot think of a a better tool to strengthen kids if we can learn throughout all the storms of life to speak kindly to ourselves. Mm. And that is a skill that it took me many, many years of work to kind of get to a better place on Mm. and it's a place that I wish I had been in my, in my early twenties as a teenager, as a college student, that if I could just learn to speak kindly to myself, that would be, I think, huge.
0: And now you're doing that for your kids. You're giving them that hope. I love that so much. Hey, we haven't talked about this previous, but do you want to give away anything? Do you want to give away any books? Sure. What do you want to give away?
1: I can give away um, the messages about me if you have um, a, a way of doing that on the yeah. web. We can do one of the boys or one of the girl books.
0: Amazing! We'll do that on Instagram. That will be awesome. Thank awesome. you, Dina. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. It is so impactful and meaningful and so needed. So thank you. You're extraordinary. Thanks for having me on. I just want to thank Dina again for coming on the show. Wasn't that just a wealth of information? And it really empowered me to not feel so insecure about these tough topics. We are just approaching some of these hard conversations with my age kids. And having resources that really help you to have the language and the confidence surrounding talking to your kids about important topics. Gosh, I'm thankful for Dina and what she is doing at Empower Kids. This is just such a great organization. And I love that she wants to give away two books. So head over to my Instagram at Jessica Dalquist 3 We'll give away one boy and one girl book. And that will just be so fun. So if you're interested in winning one of those, head over there to Instagram um, to enter to win. And the giveaway will be live through next Wednesday. This is airing on a Friday and through next Wednesday. You guys, I'm just so grateful for a new year and new opportunities to share Extraordinary Women with you. Next week, we have a truly extraordinary woman coming on the show. It is Jen Sabin-Satley. Jen is a friend of mine. And while she is not a mom, her story will tug at your heartstrings. I can't even think about it without crying. She's extraordinary. She has lived her whole life with cystic fibrosis. She's had a double lung transplant given from two living donors. She's had a kidney transplant. She's married and thriving and she is the founder of one of my most favorite food blogs, Carlsbad Cravings. And she's going to tell her story. She's going to talk about, oh, and she's an author too. She has an amazing book that I'm going to tell you about. She's amazing, you guys. And I cannot wait for you to hear from Jen about what it's like to live with a chronic illness like CF, how that's affected her life, and how she's been able to live more fully each and every day because of this perspective she has about what's truly important and about being intentional, about living her best life every single day. You cannot miss next Tuesday's episode. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure your friends are all subscribed because next Tuesday is a special one and I hope you'll tune in. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Jessica Dalquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. And then everything about the show notes, links to Dina and past episodes, everything we talked about, extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.